I'm Lin-Manuel Miranda, and you're listening to Hard Knock Life. Hi, Brittany. Today we're going to do a special sort of episode for uh, Nerds of Color. Today is going to be Haley Steinfeld Appreciation Day for several reasons, because it turns out, well, it was her birthday on December 11th on the weekend when we're recording. So wishing her an excellent birthday. Also, episode four of Hawkeye came out and she's also the lead in Dickinson, the Apple TV series, which is ongoing. So it was always going to be a big Haley Steinfeld month in terms of our holiday TV viewing, which mm-hmm. I think is appropriate because I think she's one of my favorite celebrities, actors, and all-around artists. And I will say right off the bat, just because it is Nerds of Color, that Haley Steinfeld is a person of mixed race heritage. And I'd like to say that, you know, I appreciate that, you know, without mm-hmm. trying to claim it or overanalyze it. I just want to make appreciation for the fact that she is mixed race heritage mm-hmm. because that you know that's the basically the future of America. We're all going to be mixed race someday and it's good to see these people succeeding. So just that to say, you know, have an excellent birthday, Haley Seinfeld, and what do you think about that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I also think Haley is amazing. Happy birthday, Miss Haley. Yeah, I know, like, trying to break down the whole, like, is she really a person of color because of certain things? I don't know. She's mixed, even if it's just, you know, maybe by a little bit. But yeah. I don't know. I think she's great, and she's she's talented. So, yeah, I would love to reel her in in the mixed people community. So, I don't know. I just feel right. like Haley's just one of those, like, standout talents. And she's, like, there's not too many people around her age that are just, like, I don't know if her and Zendaya are the same age, but, you know, just trying to think of actors who are just, like, Hmm. and actresses who are really acclaimed. Maybe Florence is her age, but, like, I don't know. Haley is just really special. Um, I never saw, like, her first, first thing, um, and I don't know why, but I just, I do remember when she was nominated for, like, her role in uh, True Grit. Yeah. So, um, I knew just from the clips that she was going to be something, you know, pretty special, and obviously... Yeah, she's done that. Yeah, I just, we, we occasionally do the racial draft, and we don't necessarily have to do that here. If it comes up naturally, we can. And of course, there's a long history in the on-camera entertainment industry of people who are mixed race but can generally pass as white people. You know, there's big, long history of that, you know, whether it's Jennifer Beals or whoever you're talking about. But anyway, so for me, it starts with her performance in True Grit, which is mm-hmm. came out in like 2010. It's a re, it's the Coen brothers doing a remake of this old Western, right? And she's been in a couple things as a kid actor before then, but here she was a lead actor. And her performance in 2010's True Grit is like one of the best things in all cinema, in my opinion. Just like, not even like superhero movies or science fiction movies or rom-coms or whatever. It's just one of the best things that has ever happened in movies. So Mm -hmm. if you like movies, you should treat yourself to it. Because she is this kid. But the Coen brothers, uh, you know, depending on how familiar you are with them, they have a pretty weird style. Like, their dialogue is, like, very dense and goes into sort of mm-hmm. versy poetic sometimes and has a lot of sarcasm and just has a lot of, like, you have to do it with a certain amount of precision. And uh, she's this kid, and she just does it. She, it's, it's like, 
it's extraordinary. I mean, like, you know, a lot of kid actors we talk about come up in a Steven Spielberg movie or something, and it's like, uh, you know, the giant monster, and I have to show, like, you know, innocent terror, and maybe you have a, you know, maybe a scene with your dad or something. She doesn't have any appearance in the movie. She just goes into this town trying to get revenge for her fallen father and just, like, owns it. And she owns the language of the script with a precision that almost no actors have. So, I mean, this rant just to say that for me, as a watcher of movies, she started out as a kid as being, like, the best actor in the planet. Mm -hmm. And it was only a question of whether she was going to grow up and, like, (laughs) you know, stay the same or fall off or get corrupted by celebrity or all these things. Mm -hmm. Evidence so far, like, she's grown up in with retaining all the like superhuman skills of just pure acting that she had in True Grit. So anyway, so that was just for the True Grit nerds. Mm-hmm. Look it up if, if you haven't so far. She's she's Maddie Ross in True Grit, and it's one of the best things that's ever happened in movies. Later on, she goes on to do some of the, you know, teenager movies that we might expect from a <laughs> child actor growing up in the Hollywood world. And a couple of those movies we might mention are um, Edge of Seventeen and Pitch Perfect. Which I feel like there was a good gap in between Edge of Seventeen and True Grit, or I don't know. It just feels so like far apart. I don't. I, that's oh yeah, I'm pretty sure. Right. I mean, I'm pretty sure. Like she went to real school and grew up to be like yeah, at least eighteen just, okay. or something like that. Yeah, because there does feel like there was like a good significant gap gap in between True Grit and the Edge of Seventeen. Because I have seen Edge of Seventeen and. I think I've seen the first two Pitch Perfect movies. I don't remember if I saw the third one. But she's just so, so good in Edge of Seventeen. That movie's really good. It, If you have not seen it, I'd definitely just recommend checking it out. It's like her and Woody Harrelson, and they're both kind of suicidal. And it seems, it seems sort of like a teen angst movie, but... But, like, sort of, like, a high-quality teen angst movie is my impression. <laughs> yeah, she's she has a lot of stuff going on, which this isn't a spoiler, but she's very, like, keeps herself depressed because she was really close with her dad, who unfortunately, like, passed away suddenly when she was young. And it just makes her this very angry and sad person and kind of... She's so blinded by her grief that she kind of comes off as like it didn't happen to anyone else, that it only happened to like her. And just her performance in that is just so great. And Woody Harrelson is her English teacher that she kind of like latches on to because even though she has a friend, she doesn't really hang out with her friend like at school or whatever. She Mm -hmm. goes sits and spends her like lunch and stuff basically with the English teacher. I don't know. It's just such a it's she's so good in it. That's the first thing that I think I really like saw her like act in because i you know pitch perfect was more like funny and on the like yeah you know like it's, the more off, it's poppy yeah. yeah so it's not as like heavy lifting acting i guess you yeah. could say i don't know but like but edge it introduced us to, to the pop music side which is another level of this and for those of us who love musicals like pitch perfect yeah. was a certain kind of candy yeah which i do like the pitch perfect movie though at least the first two i'm not trying to like diss that series i'm just saying in terms of like (laughs) the acting that she has to do for you know edge of 17 and pitch perfect are very different and she's really really good in edge of 17 like i highly recommend it if you haven't seen it because i think it's one of the better films that are geared towards teenagers yeah yeah 
like that edge of 17 and even though she's not in this other movie me earl and the dying girl those two movies are very good like me earl and the dying girl that sounds familiar it's it's a really good movie i'm trying to remember who's all in that uh if you saw the power rangers movie that came out a few years ago the boy who played the blue power ranger billy he is actually in that and plays earl oh right on yeah but that movie is really good those two movies like i think because they're both like more heavier teen dramas and like indie films i feel like those two are just both really really good and worth checking out one has Haley, one doesn't but i i just associate those two together just because of like the level of like I, yeah, we might pair them in a Christmas viewing binge. Type of, like, not a Christmas binge. Those movies will both kind of have you a little emotional. Okay, so I, not I feel that like, one. <laughs> I feel like it's, the, it's like teen movies where they actually are like, oh, no, teenagers are actually complex people and they have feelings and yeah. we should treat them like people and not like these weird characters that we think of. That. Like, it, that's why I like those two movies a lot. They really, like, make them feel like actual teenagers and... The way, yeah, I don't know. I just really like it. Right so. on. Good info. And, you know, we should mention she was also in, like, the ultimate teen drama. She was in a film version of Romeo and Juliet, which I haven't seen. And I'm, gonna be, I'm not even the big Shakespeare person. And it's so, you know but. what? When you were talking about it as we were going to do a Haley Steinfeld, I'm like, did that movie ever come out? <laughs> That's what I was trying to think, because I remember they were making a big deal of, like, oh, the first, like, Juliet being played by a woman of color, like... I remember, like, mm-hmm. headlines were kind of, like, running with that, and then that's when a lot of people started having the conversation about, she's not really a person of color, and that's uh, where okay. it had, yeah, and so, the thing is, if that movie, I don't know when it came out, because I feel like I never saw, like, I remember... I think it didn't make a big splash, but I think it did come out. I remember, like, the cat, like, she getting casted, and then all of that stuff surrounding it, and then that was it, like, I felt like it just kind of fell off, so that's why I didn't even know the movie actually happened, so... Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not the biggest Shakespeare fan, so I don't know which ones come out and make a splash or don't. But again, just to note that it takes like a pretty ridiculous command of language to handle those Shakespeare parts. And, you know, yes, the one of the people for the assignment. And then can we we say anything else about Pitch Perfect? Because I think it's kind of... As we're segueing from like the serious shit into the pop culture shit. I, well... Haley is just very... She plays a character that's almost kind of similar to how they have her playing Kate as, you know, Kate Bishop on Hawkeye. It's the same type of similar character. She's kind of dorky and, you know, means well, but sometimes some people are like, you know, I can't handle your energy right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. she's... It's the same type of, like, character. And I don't know. She's a good singer because I know she had her own couple of songs, too, that yeah. were, like, pretty good. So... Yeah, Haley's a very multi-talented person. So. Yeah, she has this whole pop song career, which I, I've been kind of like, <laughs> just as a quick note, you know, she she does the, a version of that song, Stitches, with Shawn Mendes. I just mm. thought that was a cute reflection of how she goes around in Hawkeye with, not actual with stitches, but with little mm-hmm. bandages and wounds patched up her face, which is harking back to the comic books. But we're going to get to Hawkeye in the last part of the show, because we're kind of going through this a bit chronologically. So then I think we get to this important thing where she starts being in the really big genre, super blockbuster science fiction movies. And for me, uh, she she was an Ender's Game, but that didn't make like a big impression. But for, for me, it starts when she takes on the lead role in uh, Bumblebee, 
which was this sort of soft reboot of the Transformers movie franchise. And for me, she saved the Transformers movies from themselves. I mean, I don't know exactly where your opinion is on all the Transformers movies. Before Bumblebee, I think the Transformers movies are kind of amazingly terrible. They were, I mean, they were definitely amazing in how they sort of destroyed plot. Um, but they but they were just like sort of a terrible thing. <laughs> and it was partially because like all all the humans were like ridiculous. I mean, at at best they were just sort of silly screaming, you know, sex objects and at worst they were like these terrible racial stereotypes. I'm talking about like in the first four or five Bay movies with Sheila Beef mm-hmm. and all that. But and Transformers fans, you know, sort of accepted this but we're like okay we're still going to see the movies because these are transformers movies we got and then they decided to do this one um that restarted with uh centering on bumblebee the the yellow guy who turns into a camaro or a bug depending on what day it is and um they decided to have like an actual human who you could connect with in the lead role and it just means everything because you know part of these big genre blockbusters the whole the whole thing is whether we have like an attachment point to a person who is experiencing the awe of it as someone really would you know mm-hmm. it's 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 like for me it's like not it's it's like if you if if you if you don't get into the into the pov of someone who is actually seeing aliens land for the first time or actually seeing a giant robot for the first time then you know it's all it's all just flash and you and uh, you lose the human connection do you <laughs> do you have any opinion on the transformers movie without i i know you probably haven't seen bumblebee i liked the first two but it's been so long since i've revisited them that you know my opinions on them could be different but i don't know i really enjoyed the first two they were fun films i feel like they fulfilled whatever they were supposed to do just be big ridiculous action films so i have not seen Bumblebee and it's another film that I always meant to go see and I just it just never happened um and I know it's on tv all the time too and every time it's on it's like always in the middle of it and I'm like well I can't watch it now (laughs) so um yeah I need to catch that because I've been wanting to watch it and I know how much that one a lot of people talk about how well it is and how much it like not humanizes um just how much more I guess like plot and emotional like stuff is actually in this film versus the other ones where it's just big action blowing up stuff which I don't mind films that are just like you know mindless action blowing up stuff oh, no, not at all. stuff you we know get those. yeah I don't mind those at all but it is nice every now and then when you have something that's a little bit more grounded and there's an emotional core to it you know yeah and you know it plays some of the same tropes you know she misses her dad he's got this mm-hmm. big hole in her life and she's doing a very similar character to the young teen types who populated the first transformers movies mm-hmm. but it just comes off as so much more true and so much more in the world it's it's kind of it's kind of fascinating you know just exercise and thinking well like with similar character and similar script like what do what can different actors bring to it mm-hmm. just with their own pizzazz so yeah so bumblebee's kind of a special one and uh, also written by christina hodson who does great work at that kind of thing so it was uh exceptionally better written than the other ones okay cool well anyway we'll <laughs> we'll edit that together and take a break mm-hmm. and uh, we'll come back and talk about episode four of hawkeye mm-hmm.
ho, ho, gentlemen. The holidays came early here at Manscaped, the leading men's hygiene brand. Manscaped just launched new products, including their all-new ultra-premium body wash and a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. It's time to give yourself or someone who needs it the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and balls this holiday season. Go to manscaped.com and use code HARDNOCK, H-A-R-D-N-O-C, for 20% off plus free shipping. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code HARDNOCK, H-A-R-D-N-O-C. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this year. So we're back and we're still on Haley Steinfeld Appreciation Day. We could talk about as she moves into the bigger genre movies, she also takes on the voice of Spider-Gwen into the Spider-Verse, which is one of our favorite subjects we talked about last week, but we can yes. talk about it more this week <laughs> it's, it's on the mind. Yeah, well, I mean, next week is, you know, Spider-Man's. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I really... Where well, we don't like, think Gwen is going to show up. I mean, it's a far-off possibility. I don't think so. Well, because the rumor is that Emma Stone was part of... Emma Stone and both Kristen Dunst were all, like, part of the set of people that were rumored to have been pulled off of other projects to go do Spider-Man. So, like, that... I just find it so funny that they're all trying to say they... If they're not in it, that's just, just coincidence that both Kristen... And Emma had, like, something to pull off of a big secret project for other projects that they were currently working on. So, to me, so it's, could like... be. But, again, so we're talking about No be. Way Home, not, not into the Spider-Verse, but... Yes, but um, the reason why is because my theory was that Emma Stone is going to be live-action Spider-Gwen in No Way Home. But, talking about animated version is obviously Haley Steinfeld, and... She is, uh, she gives such a great, like, voice performance. I know some people don't like when on-screen actors do voiceover work because then there's, you know, voiceover actors who get, miss out on opportunities, which I very much understand that, and it is definitely a real issue, especially when it's someone who's not as well as just using their voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, you know? No, it's a big deal. But I feel like Haley is just, she has... She has so much personality in her voice already that I feel like voice acting is easier for her than maybe some other actors. So I don't know. I just really loved her Spider Gwen, and I loved the like little like also the de- the design with her you know side cut buzz thingy and yeah the whole thing with know. her hair is great. Yeah, I just I and I she love... articulates it with her voice how she's feeling about her hair all the time. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, no, that was on accident because what's his name grabbed, pulled out her hair. But, like, still, that look is just such, like, a cool look when, like, you know, she finally embraces it. And yeah, sure. I don't know, she's just, she's she's fun. and Total pleasure. I just really think Haley is one of the greater, great, greatest, one of them, maybe the greatest actresses of our time, or her generation, yeah. at least. Yeah, and such a, and... In, in that case, part of a great ensemble of voice acting work. I mean, just to mm-hmm. tangent on Into the Spider-Verse again for a second, I was thinking how, like, we're approaching a time pretty soon when um, there are only going to be a few movies that the people who are sick of Marvel movies are still into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about, like, there are some good Marvel movies and some... And some are. I mean, there are a bunch of people who are totally not converted and are just going to have a natural reaction against this onslaught of Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. 
and and have weird conversations with us who are the converted. But I think when that all gets sorted out, I feel like Into the Spider-Verse will still be this beautiful movie that you can tell basically anyone in town to try to get into. Yeah, I, I feel like because, like I said last time, that the reason why that one works the best out of all the Spider-Man movies is because they can do things in full animation and make it look great and wonderful versus when you have to like animate a certain action sequence and then also make it be live action at the same time and make it look as realistic as possible because sometimes um you know yes cgi technology is so much better than it used to be and all of that but like you know there is still definitely like sometimes you know maybe they i think also the problem is that they try to push out the movie so fast that sometimes they don't have enough time to fully like make it look as great as it can yeah um, i feel like that's part of the reason um instead of like being like hey let's actually try to get this movie looking as great and wonderful as possible and take as much time as we need versus like now they got to be out like this that i feel like that's when you know it doesn't always look the best so that's why i think spider-verse looks the best because it's animated and it looks closest to the comics. You don't have to be like, it doesn't look, you know, you're not sitting there going like, oh, well, you can tell that's not real. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, totally. you're not doing that because you know it's all animated. And um, I feel like it allows you, it allows people more to leave their, you know, the um, release their, since, what do you call it? Suspension of uh, belief? Dis- Suspension what is it? of disbelief. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. That um. word. Yeah. They're more they're Wait. more like letting it happen and live in the world and experiencing it. So that's why animated movies, I think, in general, sometimes do better. And one, you can take more kids to animated movies are more yeah. likely to pay attention. But, and, and work for voice actors, voice specializing yeah. actors. Yeah. Um, and you can I do mean, it at home, not necessarily <laughs> uh, COVID unsafe filming sets. But that's a whole other story. Okay, so and so great performance to that one again. Good job, Haley Steinfeld, and the, they'll take us to the latest episode of Hawkeye. And kind of like now we're like four episodes in Hawkeye. I think there's a lot of mm-hmm. levels that we can unpack and discuss. So let's get into some of those. What What did you think about the episode four of Hawkeye that came out just now? It's another banger. Like I have really like. I feel like, I really do feel like Hawkeye and Loki right now are the forefront for me so far. They've just been solid all the way through. I know there's two more episodes left of Hawkeye, but it's just, it's so good. Um, and that's, I think the reason why I like, like it too a lot is because I'm surprised how much I am genuinely enjoying Jeremy Renner in the show. Yeah, his little pug face. I love it all the time. (laughs) Like I knew Haley, like I knew Haley was going to be a highlight of the show just because I was like, yeah, I actually like Haley. So I'm looking forward to it. She's perfectly cast as Kate. This is going to be great just in terms of her. And then I knew like, you know, uh, Florence was going to show up, which that is she is one of my favorite actresses. And so I was really looking forward to just the show in general. But yeah, like I just think this show is one of the best shows. It's done so well. The stakes are high in the sense that it's so personal and small that it they have a bigger impact when it's something yeah. more like you know concrete and yeah. like a little you know if that makes sense yeah i thought it was particularly well done in the scene that clint has with kate's mom in this episode 
it's very plain. Ooh. They play they pretty yes. they play pretty straight, but you really feel the weight of all of that. Did you lose your best friend doing this? Well, I can't lose my daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, Ooh, that was that was a really good scene. I definitely feel like Kate's mom is not a good person. Yeah, I don't know if she was in the comics or not. So like, I mean, that's an interesting thing to bring up because, like our tendency is to think that everyone has a secret story or secret identity in the mm-hmm. Marvel universe shows because I mean they're just they're just all like that they're so every every character is, has a secret but I was thinking of like what if she was just a mom <laughs> and I mean she, like that's I mean, the role that, she plays in this in this in this situation it, it could be and I wouldn't be disappointed if she ends up being just her mom and there's no like nefarious reasons that you know whatever like I'll be fine with it but I definitely think that for sure the other dude Jack is like he's definitely bad guy oh yeah he's actually the swordsman or something yeah he's definitely like a bad guy if even if like Kate's mom isn't but I just I just feel like she is but no it's it it probably is that she has some surprise coming but i was thinking and again she's a rich mom not just a normal mm-hmm. mom the, the the rich part is a big part of the story but just as you know a, a character in the whole superhero story it's kind of interesting to have a person who might just be giving the mom's real perspective which is just that keep my kid out of this i mean this yeah. is oh yeah this all looks flashy and exciting and cool costumes and golly you get to fight aliens or not and in the real world some mom is going yeah that all is cool but keep my kid the fuck out of that okay yeah or no, i'll kill you I, no i think her reaction to that is very like uh yes of course you know a mom is gonna have that reaction to her child assuming she's a good mom because <laughs> well, if, if you're not a good mom you're not gonna care yeah i mean i mean moms are not like perfect they fuck up they make good and bad choices but yeah like that that instinct is a really powerful dramatic thing yeah but i can't i feel like there was a scene after he left that she was doing something that made me i i, I don't know if maybe i'm imagining it because i didn't get to i haven't been able to rewatch episode three and four for a second time yet but yeah, I feel like that. I just keep feeling like she's definitely not up to. She's up to something. I thought there was a moment where they showed something, but I could be wrong. Oh yeah, no, I, I could mean, be she's... just like in my head filling in stuff that's not there. No shit. <laughs> no, I'm I'm with you. I mean, she definitely has a little evil plan side eye going on something. But mm-hmm. I think that should interact nicely with her natural mom instincts, which are mm-hmm. part, of, part of the thing that's going on. And of course, the kid wants to rebel. And we as an audience are all rooting for, you know, another superhero to emerge. But it's great to have that conflict, especially in, like, for example, in the bit where they're fighting on the roof and mm-hmm. Hawkeye basically tries to kick her out of the fight, right? Mm-hmm. He, ha- he, has, he has this perilous moment when she falls off the roof and he recalls yes. losing Natasha in the similar circumstances and he's basically you know he's basically like get out of here and then yeah. she superhumanly like runs up five flights of stairs and gets back in the fight like two seconds later but anyway yeah and but I still think he kind of tells her like at the end of it like we're we're done this got just it got too real for me you gotta go yeah yeah because well, because the whole entire scene starts off with they are trying to find more information about this company that 
that, you know, as we know in episode three that they were looking into, they were trying to find out more information. And I think they found out that uh, Jack is basically her, that's her soon to be stepdad, is basically running a shell company for, for something. He's like the CEO basically of a shell company. Yeah. And so they're going to try and go and find more info and they get led to apartment building, which they break in. And then it ends up being an apartment building that belongs to Maya or Echo, as you will. And basically that's when the fight ensues because, and I loved the way they did this when they were fighting and Clint is telling her, hey, you got to go. Maya's here. And she's like, what do you mean? Maya's with me. And for a second, I thought we were going to, I was like, oh, don't tell me they're bringing like secret invasion stuff into this now like oh yeah you know no, I, mean? I thought that too i thought i had was that like a and i was like i was gonna doppelganger be kinda, clone generator or something. yeah i was gonna be a little disappointed not because i don't want to see secret invasion but i'm really just enjoying that this hawkeye story is you know like we talked about like just more personal and not a big grand scheme world of like as world affecting as some of the other mm-hmm. stuff so i was just like oh great this is not gonna be I'm gonna, yeah. I was like, I'm going to be upset now. <laughs> I was like, I was enjoying no, I this I don't, Again, I don't even know Echo, and I thought, oh, is that her superpower the second that she makes clones of herself or something? Maybe. Okay. But that you know, might no, be too well. But no, what did like, happen? But yeah, what ended up happening was it's actually Yelena up on the roof, with which yeah. we find out as the scene Dressed like Spider-Man noir. It was cool. Yes, that's what I was thinking, too. Or Night Monkey. Is that what they call them in uh, they, Far That's from what home? they call them in Far Night, From Home. Night Monkey. Very, very slow outfit. <laughs> Maybe, maybe the Black Widow people like stole that outfit from Shield, like in a garage sale or something. Maybe. But anyway, similar. Anyway, but yeah. But yeah. So for a little bit, it's a fight in the apartment, and then the fight on top of the roof, and then eventually it all ends up on top of the roof, where basically Hawkeyes are trying to fight against Echo yeah. and Yelena, and yeah, it gets really intense, like you said, and basically when. He realizes who Yelena is. Um, he basically is one that he tells Kate that this is it. You got to go. This is too real for me. Yeah. You can't be involved in this anymore. So, and can we also mention it's a fight between Hawkeye and three ladies? I mean, this is just a kind of interesting dynamic for a Marvel hey, Universe fight. Both Yelena and Echo were like holding up pretty well against him. Yeah, I mean. It was a really well done sequence. Mm-hmm. I, I think Echo uses a lot of that capoeira style, I think, which gives her mm-hmm. a distinct personality in these confrontations. Mm-hmm. And of course, we—I mean, we—we kind of—we kind of suspected that was Yelena if we were watching Black Widow and following all the things up to it. Mm-hmm. Was it nice to see Yelena again? Oh yes, like I've said, Florence Pugh. That's why I'm not sure if her and Haley are the same age, but they're probably maybe more of the same generation. I feel like those two are just some of the like best actresses for their age like i've seen almost everything florence has done and my god that girl just she acts circles around so many people and she's fantastic if you haven't seen her anything besides black widow i highly recommend going through her catalog and or film category whatever it's called i'm so like not good with words today um it's okay (laughs) <laughs> her filmography there we go filmography that's the word go through her filmography and just watch her performances because she's just she's so 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 good so i and I, I was just i was really glad that she was cast in the movie for black widow because i was like okay this actually makes me want to see this movie because i'm not as we all know not a huge fan of scar show so sure. yeah they casted really 
great cast around ScarJo. And then, yeah, like I talked about before, Florence is just, she's so good. She's really good. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have seen a Midsommar or anything else she's done, but yeah, she's, she's it. She's one of the, the best actresses, I think, out there, so. Right on. Can we talk a little bit about the LARPers? Because I thought this was a delicious subplot. That's oh, yes. Up. Because I really like the costumes in an old school fan kind of way. So I think it's just a great mechanism to find some cosplayers. And, you know, I think cosplayers is, an, is a form of LARPing. I don't know which, if you want to get into real technical mm-hmm. definitions but people who are really into crafting costumes for themselves mm-hmm. and of course you would they would meet some to help them generate these superhero costumes which hawkeye is reluctant to have <laughs> yeah well it's because they needed information or or ballistics or i can't remember something they needed because well, the they lost they lost his special arrows oh yes and they because lost his special arrows. because a lot of the people who do larping are in law enforcement or you know EMTs or something like that. They thought there would be a connection to the evidence room where the special arrows were. Yes, Bit of a stretch. The- this is this is a wild idea, but it it all lines up neatly. Yes. So it it obviously it does work out because they're able to retrieve the arrows, which are used in the fight scene and everything. But yeah, they also are going to make a costume, two costumes for them. So I feel like we will see them probably in the last episode in their cool costumes and. I'm excited for that. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I really like purple because of Prince. So I'm like, <laughs> purple is one of my favorite colors. So I'm into the, I would be into seeing the classic purple costumes. Mm-hmm. So there's that. I think that's everything from this episode that, or at least all the big stuff, because we know about the, the shell company being ran by Jack. You talked about the scene where, what's the mom's name? I can't believe I can't, I can't, I can't remember her name. Is it Eleanor? maybe Eleanor that sounds right or you know she basically gives them you take care of my kid thing we talked about the apartment the LARPers and then yeah basically Yelena being there and Hawkeye pretty much telling her or Clint telling Kate that you know this is it this is too personal you have to get you can't be involved in this so yeah I mean I started to see something in this episode and I just want to know what you think about it I mean Mm -hmm. we do one of our sort of hypothetical thinking about the future conversations because as i've said as i said before it's it's kind of a special a a special reach that they did to get Haley steinfeld to be a marvel universe character because she's fairly big actor already you know as we know the marvel universe the marvel universe roles are really good for people who are on their way up (laughs) or maybe actors who are pretty established but haven't done anything in a while and will like Mm -hmm. dip back into it and as we know from the way it played out over eight years, like it gets into a strange thing when you, when you recruit someone who is already a pretty big star, like Robert Downey Jr. or Scarlett Johansson, and well, they get see, locked into doing this thing for ten years. Do you know what I'm? Do you know what I'm leading up to? I mean, this is a long ramble, but do you know how what I'm many, leading up to? How long are we gonna have Haley? Yeah, if she even wants to do it. Well, they have a new contract. It's no longer the contracts that the phase one and maybe even phase two actors had they're out doing it and they're basically contracting actors for basically now as long as the actor wants to be there and obviously as long as like the story narrative fits having that version of the character and the reason why i say that because obviously as you know we're going to multiverses and stuff like that and that's why they wanted Mm -hmm. to do the multiverse is that it gives them the opportunity to 
oh, okay, like, Sebastian Stan doesn't want to be Bucky anymore, but we actually still have a story that we need to do with Bucky. Okay, cool, let's hire this guy to now be Bucky from Earth 53, you know what I mean? Or whatever, or timeline, whatever. And so that's the point of it, is so that they can now, like, which, however, I think Sebastian Stan has the biggest picture deal out of everybody. When he first signed on, he had a nine-picture deal. Mm. Back when he did Avengers, uh, not uh, the first Avenger, the Captain America movie. Yeah. So I don't know how that's been adjusted since then, but that was his original, like, contract was nine movies. So it was the three Chris Evans Captain America movies. It's supposed to be three Bucky Captain America movies and then three Avenger movies. That was the original plan. But it's obviously shifted because now Captain America, he's not Captain America, but it's, you know, Anthony Mackie. So he's probably going to be a part of those, but I don't know how many yeah. Captain America movies we will get going forward. But but let's say they have adjusted and added some flexibility for yeah. this long-term plan. Yeah, so, yeah, they have now adjusted it to where it's more of what the actors want so that they don't get in situations where people, like, are mad and want out of their contracts and, like, you know. So it's just a matter of how long Haley wants to do it for. So she might want to do, like, maybe... You know, another, she might be cool with doing a show and then one movie and then she's like, you know, a couple of shows in the movie and then she's it. I don't know. It's it's what yeah. she wants. So. And that would be her prerogative. But I mean, I was starting to think about like, who is the leader in this projected second half of the Marvel Universe thing? And I know we're on phase four or five technically already, but I'm thinking in the, in the macro, just like there was the whole bunch that led up to Endgame. And now we're in mm-hmm. some second stage where we... Oh, we don't have Captain America or Iron Man. I think Iron it's going to be all the younger set of kids coming through. Who's the exact leader? I don't know, but I do think it's going to be the younger set just because we are going to have America Chavez debut in Doctor Strange. So, I, you know, I feel like it's going to be the younger kids. And then apparently, if this is true, we're still going to have Tom Holland as Spider-Man for three more movies in the MCU. If that is true. If the rumors about that are true, he has three more movies as yeah. Spider-Man. He's going to have six Spider-Man movies. Yeah, but even if that <laughs> is true, mm-hmm. Tom Holland is a huge star, but he's not, like, the leader, the core, and even the emotional core. I mean, is it fair to say that part of the MCU's big success was having a certain kind of charismatic actor at its center, let's just say Robert Downey Jr., who is both kind of you know, a snarky jerk and, you know, well, then it'd be Dr. Strange. If that's, if you're trying to, that would be the model. It would be Dr. Strange, which it looks like. Not that we have to do that model again. I'm just saying that. It could also be just because, you know, he's going to play a big part in No Way Home. And then he obviously has his own movie, Multiverse Madness. So, or Madness of the Multiverse. So it could be Dr. Strange or it could be Captain Marvel. If you're looking for more of the like adult characters, it could be one of those two. Um, it probably could have been, you know, Black Panther, but I don't know mm, what's going yes, on with Black Panther. Leo. And, yeah. you know, Shuri or Leticia Wright might be out of the MCU oh, because yes. she just refuses to get vaccinated. Yeah, isn't that wild? It is. I very much understand it's your body, your choice. I'm not saying force the vaccine on people who don't want it. That's not my thing. But, you know, the vaccine has proven to help reduce the spread of COVID and people catching it. And when you're working close in close quarters with people, you know, yeah, you spreading it to someone, especially if you're unvaccinated, like 
it, it, you know, like we talked about last time, if Chadwick had had survived and was well enough to do Black Panther 2 and COVID still happened, like, he would be a high risk. Like, uh, he, yes. like every single person probably would have to be vaccinated yes. in order to do a scene with him. Like, I don't think people understand that. Like, he could have been fine. And then, like, you know, he could have got COVID. And if he, let's say he got COVID from Leticia, that could have really, you know, yeah affected him and i don't know people don't know this but brie larson has asthma so if she's on set with someone who isn't vaccinated and you know she catches covid it even if she herself is vaccinated you know it could still be pretty bad she might not maybe die but it could be still pretty bad so yeah there's tons of actors who have a lot of like medical conditions that they don't talk about even something as simple as asthma you might think like oh well that's not that big of a deal but with COVID and it being a respiratory thing and then people who have asthma, that's a respiratory thing. Like it could be a deadly combination. So yeah, the vaccine works folks in the real world. It works. So be conscious of the people you're around. Yes. People you're working with. But yeah, that's interesting. What do we, so do we think those news stories about world of Wakanda being the delayed for various reasons, perhaps for negotiating this vaccination problem with one of their stars? I don't I mean, know. I'm just saying that's one reading of them. I, I feel like it because, well, one, she hurt herself. And so she was obviously going to be the center of this movie because you don't stop production if an actor hurts themselves, if they're not like a part of the main plot, like the main, main plot. If you can work around it and be like, okay, we can add all their scenes in at the end of filming or something like that. So when they're better. Yeah. But if they have to hold production for an injury, it's usually because you're too important and they can't work around not filming yeah. your scenes right away. So that means she was definitely going to... I don't know if she was going to take up the mantle, but she was definitely the main focus. And now, like, you know, they're trying yeah. to get the mandate. And I don't know. I just feel like it makes me sad because it's just like there's so many other black girls who would have loved to have been Shiri and do mm. what you're doing and are vaccinated and are just as talented or maybe even more talented than Leticia. And they're not going to get that opportunity until... You know, and then I would hate to also like be recast it and have to deal with all the like the drama surrounding that. Like, I don't know. I just, uh, yeah. Yeah, it is very sticky. A lot it of is. levels going on there. It is because I think also because I, I, even though I wish people would be more inclined to get vaccinated, I'm not going to like, you know, tell someone else to do something with their body that they don't want to do. Because I feel like that's hypocritical sure. of me of being like, you know, well, just because I'm like, you know, pro-choice stuff, like, you know, abortion and stuff, mm. you know, we tell, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, I feel like it's the same thing. Like, you know, it's not my body. I can't tell someone to keep a baby or, or not that I'm not going to raise or, you know, but right. you know what I mean? Like, it, that's how I feel about the situation. I'm not saying that I'm going to be like, oh, let's go out and I'll get abortion. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I want to make sure it's not coming off like that. But again, it, it just falls into the it's someone else's body. It's their choice what they do with it. It's not mine at the end of the day. So, yeah. you know. But calls to light how uh, filmmaking is uniquely team effort. Yes. With people of various strata, including, you know, just the difference between the people who are working on the crew and making mm -hmm. like you know, okay money at their jobs and mm -hmm. the 
actors in the cast are make, making really good money and are celebrities and maybe like uh, it's easy for them to be at a distance from regular people anyway i mean this is what i always think when i see like celebrities have some sort of vaccine thing like has mm-hmm. hesitancy i think well you know basketball stars are like already like used to distancing themselves from normal people because they're freaking mm-hmm. famous so like i think they take that into account in a different way than mm-hmm. than we you know normal folk are just know that we have to be around people from all walks of life yeah and then i feel like also for people who have more money too you know they have better health care choices so it's like oh if i get covid i'll be fine i'll have the best doctors and that too you know so some people might have that mindset towards it but i mean i don't know i i just i just feel i really do think leticia was great ashiri and sure i'll be a little sad if she gets recast but also at the same time no just because it's like well you're putting your cast in and your casting crew in a yeah. potentially unhealthy situation so you know yeah yeah on top of one of the most absurd problems that a movie story could already face which is mm-hmm. the passing of their star yeah original star and you know how do you deal with that as a story and also just as a community but anyway <laughs> we, we, we can go on like that or we can circle back to so so a lot of interesting narrative going on that upcoming marvel movie who will lead the, our whole thing was who's gonna end up leading this next phase of the movies and i don't know like i said i could either see it being Doctor Strange or Captain Marvel or it's going to be one of the kids the newer kids even though they're more like in their 20s but you know the characters that are set as like younger yeah yeah I mean I saw this scenario in this last episode of Hawkeye when they're doing these you know very intimate close-up scenes where like you might want Kate Bishop to be Captain America in the next phase you might believe rightly that she's the character with the most innate emotional connection to an audience i'm not sure any of the other crop would do it as much justice i i don't think that's what they're planning for at all but like it would be really interesting if it turned out like kate bishop was the next character to you know Mm -hmm. have the big avengers assemble moment because yeah. in so many ways, she's the most human and most relatable. She could. She could. And she's also a little bit like Batman. Like, let's really like, like she's rich and physically trained. And that's, that's like a Batman thing. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm wondering about that. And then that plays into, well, like how many movies are you going to get this her to sign up for? Which is an open question. Yeah. Because right now we just know she's only in Hawkeye. So I guess we'll see where she ends up. Yeah right on did you have any nerd popping thing you want to talk about i actually do so because of a certain very small cameo in episode three of hawkeye you know vincent denarfo is kingpin i decided you know Brady, you should actually go and finish season three of daredevil so i've been watching season three of oh, daredevil i really like daredevil season three and yes oh my god it's so good i don't know i think i was so hesitant to start it because i knew that was it for daredevil and daredevil is my favorite out of the you know netflix mcu shows so i was very like uh i don't want it to end i don't want it to be over so yeah with seeing kingpin pop mm. up for that two seconds or whatever doesn't yeah. let me watch this it, that is definitely that was definitely his laugh 
just like watching, you know, Daredevil. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that was him for sure. That was Vincent D'Onofrio. Did Did you watch uh, Bullseye's origin story? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm up, like. Right? Oh, so messed up. I'm on episode like I think I just finished episode nine or just finished episode ten. I just watched the one with uh, where they finally actually go into what happened with Karen's past. Yes, Karen also has a solo story. Yeah, <laughs> which. I don't know how to say it. Like, I feel like Deborah is a really great actress, but I don't like Karen. Uh, that you, don't have to, you don't have to like Karen. She's a hot mess. That's that's part of that's part of the thing. And I don't even think I don't know if you have to like her. I don't know what it is about her. I she just gives me these like icky vibes. Like the character gives me icky vibes. But I've seen Deborah like in a couple other things, and I'm like, okay, she's cool. But I don't know what it is about her as Karen that I'm like, mm, I don't like Karen get Karen away from me <laughs> right sure well yeah I mean she's a Karen but then and she gets gets into a lot of trouble but I mean it was an interesting move that they did the well did any of that change after watching the Karen backstory episode in Daredevil season three um it was really it's good I really liked it and I think that that highlights how good of an actress she is but I still just feel like, you know, Karen's not likable. And it's okay, because I feel like there's a lot of characters who are supposed to be kind of unlikable. Yeah. And that's fine. Not every character should be likable to be an interesting character, if that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like she's interesting, but I just don't like her. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I think she's not, some, she's not someone who I would want to know. Yeah. And this is not pro or con that idea. It's a good dimension. But in the comics, she was way more messed up. I mean, she was a porn star and a much more serious drug addict and all kinds of shitty stuff so she had an even longer way to go to get back into like you know being able to functionally be in 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 daredevil's crew and you know always a problem child uh, you know your friend who has like a lot of problems mm-hmm. i mean i'm glad you're watching daredevil season three that's always in my nerd popping it's just one of those things that will always be a great achievement yeah it's so it's stuff. it's really good so far and um i'm really glad because like i think we did we talk about this last time that they officially kevin feige officially said that charlie cox he said charlie cox's name yeah he said charlie cox is definitely is back as daredevil we just don't know when and how we'll see him but he is daredevil in the mcu so i'm pretty sure they're gonna soft reboot it kind of where it's like the same actors but it's just yeah. maybe some circumstances are different or you know whatever but yeah i don't know like they could do another like spider-man just ally the origin thing and just have him show up which mm-hmm. i personally really liked about the way they introduced tom hall and spider-man in in civil war yeah so i'm sure we're gonna be getting some more daredevil stuff um apparently he's in no way home at least daredevil is we'll see but i would really love to see tom holland and and vincent denarfo go up against each other Hmm. like <laughs> like i know so. he's gonna beat up my baby but i want to see it <laughs> it's, a, it's a formidable idea yeah it just brings out this sort of like cute little bunny aspect of tom holland and being pro- protective of that which i think is which i think is weird but i think that's a, yeah hopefully that's a a side we'll see explored in No Way Home. And okay, so... Did you have anything nerd popping? No, I just wanted to chat about Daredevil with you a little bit because that that's always a, brings a warm fuzzy to my heart. Yeah, so Brittany, how can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter and whatnot at HiBrittanyMonet. I actually just joined TikTok. I don't know how often I'll be 
posting videos but I'm reusing my MySpace name if y'all were friends with me on MySpace back in the day I used to be Britney Bear Kitten so wait can you say that again for clarity Britney Bear 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 Kitten so B-A-R-A-K-I-T-T-E-N wait is Bear Kitten in the sense of Bertha Kitten or no, so bare, uh, <laughs> this is a really horrible. funny story. So the guitarist of all time, Low, his last name is Jack Barracat. Oh, okay. And it's actually like Jack Barracat. Like that's his last name. He's like Arabic or something like that. So as like a joke during like when, you know, being emo and everything was very in, which I'm always emo. I've never grown out of that phase. I used to be on MySpace as Britney Barracatin. Okay. And you're reclaiming this name now for what purpose? Just because I thought it would be a good TikTok handle. Oh, okay, okay, cool. All right. So that's my TikTok handle. All right, good. If anyone wants to follow me on TikTok, I haven't posted anything too crazy or funny yet, so don't worry. I'm not like a comedic genius or anything like that. At least not yet. (laughs) But yeah. We'll get to it. And then I have my, uh, obviously, my other podcast that I do is the Naomi Podcast, which you can follow us on Twitter, at Naomi Podcast. And uh, yeah, we just recorded episode two, where we're going over the chapters four through six of the first book of Naomi, which they call it Seasons, for some reason, mm-hmm. instead of like, you know, book one. For so sure. pretty sure it's going to be a TV show. Yeah. So basically, season one of the comic book of Naomi, we split it since it's just six parts. We did like the first episode where we're going through chapters one through three. And then now we did four through six. So yeah, if you guys remember Nate, who is on here, he is my co-host. Yeah, right on. Yeah. I'm Dominic Ma. You can find me at Dama, D-O-M-M-H, on Instagram or Twitter. And we are doing the podcast for the nerdsofcolor.org, which has a blog at nerdsofcolor.org, and also various podcasts, including Hard Knock Life, and also a YouTube channel, and a Twitch channel. We cover all sorts of nerdy things in the film and TV entertainment world. And yeah, so just in closing, again, we'll say happy birthday to Haley Steinfeld. You do excellent work, and uh, I hope you get a transforming robot for your birthday, just like happened in uh, Bumblebee. We love you, Haley. Right on.